Good morning. So today is the day. Um, when Pastor Randy asked me to read uh, his passage today, I kind of felt a little heavy about it because, you know, after hearing this guy's journey from the very beginning from Egypt up until now, it's just like as if I was there with him as he went through his trials and tribulations and his frustrations and things like that, just to finally see that today's the day. So Deuteronomy chapter 34, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. Then Moses climbed up Mount Nebu from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. The Lord showed him the whole land from Gilad to Dan. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to Egypt, uh, sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all his officials and to his whole land. No one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Let's say our scriptural declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Friday's disappointment It's Sunday's empty tomb Since when has impossible Ever stopped you This is the sound of dry bones rattling This is the praise Make a dead man walk again Open the grave I'm coming out I'm gonna live Gonna live again This is the sound Of dry bones rattling yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Paul. Uh, not only are you doing a great job uh, of sharing the scriptures, but I appreciated your words. I have hoped that this has been something that you have taken away a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more familiarity with somebody that you've known by name, but maybe haven't known quite the way that we are getting to know him and have gotten to know him. Uh, the Prince of Egypt, Moses, he's the man, he's the myth, he's the Moses, the guy who has always been kind of the cornerstone of those who are Jews, the, the guy that they look to above all other people in many, many ways. And so I have really enjoyed this. I hope that this has been something that you have enjoyed. Um, and today is our final day. Now, I kind of began with this, uh, and so I'm going to go back to it in just a moment, but I have a very close friend who is my cousin, and uh, he and his family, uh, his immediate family, are over in Italy right now. And so he told me, he said, I'm going to Italy. I said, well, where are you going to go? I mean, of course you're going to go see the Colosseum. And of course, that's just, you know, a given. I said, but where else are you going to go? And he said, I, I don't know. We haven't really made a whole lot of plans. I told my wife that she freaked out because like she planned for three and a half months before we went on our European vacation. And that was just the things that were going in writing. There were weeks and weeks and weeks before that. So she's like, but they don't even know. They haven't done any research. I said, well, here's what I would do. If I were you, I would go to the, the cathedral and if you've ever been to Rome, you know that you can't walk uh, for more than a mile or two and not hit a cathedral of some sort that's one of the most beautiful places that you've ever seen. And so I told him, I said, if I could only go to one or if I could only send you to one, I would send you to one called um, San Pietro in Vincoli. And I had to let the folks from Italy get out of here before I said that because, I mean, I didn't want to embarrass myself, right? So it, I believe it is called San Pietro in Vincoli, which means St. Peter in Chains. And so if you actually take a look at this, this is a statue by Michelangelo of the man, the myth, the legend. This is his rendition of Moses. But here's what's crazy about this. I shared this with you guys um, at the very beginning. It's actually the very first lesson that we taught on Moses. But what's crazy about this is this is not even the main attraction at this particular uh, um, cathedral. If you walk in, if you were to walk in the back doors of this cathedral, right in the very front as the, you know, kind of right here in this area, you would see a gilded box. It's a gold box with glass on the four sides and lights inside showing a set of chains and irons. And it's just, they say that those were St. Peter's chains, San Pietro in Vincoli, chains, right? Uh, so... I don't know if that's the main attraction. I honestly don't think those are really the chains. I think that was just a good way to raise some money. I ain't going to lie, all right? But the thing that blew me away, and the reason that I actually sent him is this statue. If you come here and you're facing the box and you turn to the right, this is the image and the, the statue that you will see, a Michelangelo's statue taking second place. Isn't that crazy? It is literally one of my favorite statues I ever have seen or laid my eyes upon. It's very, very interesting. But I shared this with you because in many ways, this is one of those strange things of history. 
He has horns coming out of his head because of the misinterpretation of the thing that was supposed to be said, radiated light, and they thought that it meant grew horns. You guys following me? And so as they made that mistake, Michelangelo's reading a scripture that wasn't quite perfect in its translation, and so he literally has horns sticking out of his head, but it is still one of the most incredible statues that you would ever lay your eyes on. Um, this statue encourages me to hit the gym, right? I mean, maybe even more than Miss Donna does, right? And that's a lot. That's saying a lot. I ain't gonna lie. That's saying a lot. So as you look at this statue, and as I shared with you in the very first time that we spoke about Moses, Moses is not the myth that we have been told he was. We've had misunderstandings about him. You start learning about Moses at the beginning of Exodus and he ends at the beginning of Joshua. And for those three chapter or pardon me, those three books, almost every single chapter has Moses's fingerprints all over it. Some of the things that are still to this day, the most important things in the Jewish community and the nation of Israel's history have got Moses plastered from left to right, front to back, top to bottom. He's all over it. But I do not share the things that he failed in, like I talked with you last week about the anger that he never did quite get over. I do not share those things with you in any way to dehumanize him in any way, shape, or form. But I do think it does us good that God's word always humanizes human beings. They don't pretend that they're saints that literally, you know, floated on a cloud of air every time they walked into the room, you know. And I'm grateful for that because the beautiful, powerful, amazing thing is everything I just said about Moses, about how important he is, is 100% true. And everything that I said about his failures as a man and that he was a man and not the myth is also 100% true. Now, how many of you guys have ever looked into the mirror and said, there's parts of you that I'm very proud of, but there's parts of you that I hope no one ever finds out about, <laughs> right? You know why I love the scripture so much? They don't pretend that its saints were perfect. It shows them warts and all, and I hear that and I go, you know what? There's hope for me yet. And so as we talk about Moses, I want us to know who he is, I want us to look at the man and not the myth, but not with the hope of pulling him down, but instead encouraging us to step forward and say, you know what, if God could use somebody with a few flaws like Moses had, he could still use somebody like me to do much less, but still important work in his kingdom. So I hope that is what you are taking away. I hope that is something that you have learned as we've studied Moses. I, I'm going to tell you, I love every one of these books. Great lies from God's word that go deep on all of these different biblical characters is so much to learn. All right, so let me just share with you where we've been, and we're going to hit it very, very quickly. Let's take a look here at our next slide. We talked about the origin story of a nation, how the Jewish boy became the prince of Egypt. We talked about how Moses stepped in trying to do God's will my own way. 
We talked about how in that time when he fled to the backside of the desert, God called him from the burning bush and he gave him a second chance to do God's will, God's way, which is what we see there in the fifth uh, installment. And then the sixth, the Passover and the Exodus begins. This is such an important thing in history that it's not just simply one lesson that we learn. And then we talked about the Red Sea and the Exodus part two. We talked about heaven's provisions and earth's appetites as God provides manna and quail. And then when God comes to meet man, how God comes down on top of the mountain and gives over the Ten Commandments and some of the things surrounding that. We also talked about the spies that were sent into the promised land and how it was a missed opportunity. And then last week, we talked about the moments of rage and a life of anger that Moses never did quite get his hands on. And because of that, he does not get the opportunity to lead God's people into the promised land. And then today we end here with exit Moses and enter who? And the idea here is for us to look at what God is doing when Moses does inevitably, just like all of us will, pass off the scene, and yet God's plan is still at work. Now, we talked about these things as of last week, and I got to tell you guys, so it's so funny. My wife was watching last week, and she go, and I said, did it freak you out with the milk thing that I did last week? And she goes, yeah. And I go, well, it was funny because I took a big old drink, just trying to make sure everybody's paying attention, and, and, uh, and I just like took a big old swig out of it, and everybody goes, oh. And she goes, I know, but did you know what you said before? I said, no, I have no idea. What did I say? She goes, well, here's how we do it at my house. And then you picked it up, and you took a big old swig, and she goes, you need to tell them next week. That's not how we do it at my house, or else they're never going to have people come over to our house and ever drink anything out of our refrigerator. Y'all know, like, if she weren't around, y'all probably know I would do that, but I got to be on my best behavior around this woman. She's always keeping me straight. So, so I told her, I said, well, I just do that stuff to like make sure people are watching, paying attention that I've got their attention. And she goes, yeah, but sometimes you say stuff that like, it's not, it gives them the wrong impression. I was like, okay, I'll clear it up next week. <laughs> Shelly, are we good? All right. All right. Y'all are like, yeah, all the people that didn't come today, they're like, man, I ain't ever sitting under that cannibal's teaching again. That, that dude needs some help. All right. That's not how we do it. But I just wanted to let you know. All right. So very quickly, let's talk about who Moses was. This is Moses at the end of his life um, that we just read. And Paul, thank you again. Uh, as we read from Deuteronomy chapter 34, the very ending of the book of Deuteronomy and the beginning of Joshua leading the children of Israel into the promised land. If you listen to what Paul read Basically, you can take it one of two ways, and I do take it a, a, a very, very positive way, and I want to make sure that I am able to explain. At the end of Moses' life, Moses meets God once again on top of a mountain, and on the top of this mountain, he can look in to the promised land that the children of Israel are about to get, in, you know, get on the road and go into and conquer and live. And like literally, there is still a promised land that uh, has been there since 1948, but traditionally, many, many, many century and millennia, there's been Jerusalem and the promised land. And so as he is there on the top of the mountain, God says, nothing's changed, but I do want you to see that I fulfill my promises. And he said, this is the land that even though you're not going, I'm taking your people that you love that you've led to this point. 
I'm taking them to fulfill the promise that not just have I given to you to give to them, but it goes all the way back to Abraham. Then I said, I would prepare a place and send you to a land which I will show you. And just before Moses' life ends, he is once again reminded that God is always faithful to his promise. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, isn't it good to know that even though things will not always turn out the way that we want them perfectly, A to B to C to D, and each and everything fitting perfectly in place according to our own plan, it is a blessing to know that God never forgets the promise that he has given and that he will accomplish his purpose. And so who was Moses? He was a kid who was miraculously birthed, raised as the prince of Egypt. He was a man who chose God's people over gold palaces. That's a pretty big deal. Um, He was a man who desired to do God's will, even if he got a little off track at times. He was a man who reluctantly answered God's call when it came to him the second time in the burning bush. God, don't send me. What am I going to do? You're probably calling the wrong guy. That's what he basically said. He was a man who stood before his half-brother, Pharaoh, his adopted half-brother, so to speak. He was a man who led two million people in the Exodus. He was a man who saw God's Red Sea deliverance first and firsthand and front row seat. He was a man who saw God face to face whenever he received the commandments. Let's go on. Who was he? He was a man who interceded for people to God. In other words, if you don't remember or if you maybe go back and read, there was a time where God was so angry with the children of Israel that he said, Moses, just leave me alone and let my anger burn. I'm going to destroy this people and I'm going to raise up a whole new group of people that you will love and they will be your descendants. And Moses said, no, 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 don't do that, Lord. Don't do that. I know that they're constantly grumbling. I know they're constantly complaining and I know that they're not always on their best behavior, but they are still your people. Forgive them. I'm interceding for them. This is who Moses was, even though most of them were against him and his leadership. He was a man who failed to conquer his anger totally, but he was a man who was used by God almost without parallel in the scriptures. All of these things are exactly who Moses is. And if you really look at it from top to bottom, front to back, you kind of get a sense that this man is not that much different than we are, that most of us can identify with Moses pretty well. Let's keep moving here very quickly. And this is the map of the Exodus, and you can kind of get an idea there. There is the nation of Israel up here at about 1 o'clock on the clock face there as you look. And near there, uh, from Mount Pisgah, um, Moses is able to see into the promised land, even though he does not get to go there. So let's keep moving here to something to learn. We all have our time, and then we pass on. And most of us will likely be moved off center stage before we pass. Passing is a polite way of saying dying. Y'all know that, right? We're all going to die. It is appointed once to man to die, and then after that, the judgment. That's what God's word says. And and, and we even say it in our own world. (laughs) There's only two things that are always to be assured. That's death and taxes, right? So we all know this is the game that we came into, whether we wanted it or not. There will come a time where our life will end. The question is, what is left behind? And in Moses' case, he left so much behind for us to learn from and to emulate and to move on. But just know that most of us 
don't even run to the very end. We move ourselves sometimes off center stage or we are off center stage before we pass. What's important for us is how we choose to live our life. Moses is replaced by a young man named Joshua, the one who leads God's people into the promised land. And we've already talked a little bit about that earlier. Let's keep moving. As we look at this, Chuck Swindoll said, it's a simple fact of life that great leaders will need to be replaced, even great men. And while those departures take many of us by surprise, they never take God by surprise. Listen to this. When a man of God fades from the scene, nothing of God fades. I'm going to say that one more time. When a man of God fades from the scene, nothing of God fades. He always has his Joshua's that are waiting in the wings. I will just say, from my own perspective and from my own life, as my kids have grown and have begun to go in different directions where God is leading them, I realized that I was once the head of the household where the people that are most important to me lived. And I had every single day that I could put my stamp in some way, shape, or form on their life, on their mentality, on their mindset, on their actions, and on the choices that they would make. I could put a stamp on it every single day. I can't do that anymore. And I ain't going to lie. That's hard to take. I don't think of myself as a control freak. I think of myself as an influence freak. (laughs) Like, I just want to influence and influence and influence and influence. And then when you don't do what I think you should do as my daughter, I'm going to influence you some more. You guys understand what I'm saying? So I'm not a control freak. No, that's bad. I'm an influence freak. But now that they are grown, my oldest will be turning 27 in January. What? She will be turning 27 in January. And I don't know if you have heard, but I'm going to be a granddad. Yes, of course. I had to mention that and sneak that in almost every single time that, that, you know, I've been able to tell you. So, yes, my whole world is shifting and changing. And I could influence my daughters only up to a certain point. And now what I did then, I can't do on the same level and in the same way. I can still influence them. I can still be a part of their life. I can still encourage them. I can still bless them. I can still give them my direction that I feel like is from the Lord. But it's not going to be long until I will be maybe the oldest that's left in my family, but I will not be the main person that's leading and directing my family because my time will have come and gone. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? So the question here is, what am I doing right now with what I got left? I look at Moses who runs and works and is under the yoke right to the very end of his life, serving God, being a blessing, interceding for people, pushing, straining, leading, directing, helping, encouraging, praying for, being the intercessor, all of those things up until the very end of his life. And then the end hits, and even though it doesn't end perfectly, it ends. And God, who is in control when Moses was the chief spokesman, now turns and says, 
As I was with Moses, Joshua, even so, I will be with you. And God does not fade, and God's plan does not fade because God's man passes away. God's woman passes away. It doesn't change that God is still the one on the throne and in control. So, the question that we ask in this message today of exit Moses, enter who? (laughs) The same guy who used to be in control is still in control. It's God. (laughs) No matter what. It could be a different human leader, but it is still God who is on the throne. Now, let me just say something. Y'all should vote. Y'all should get out and vote your conscience. I'm, you don't need to vote my conscience. You need to vote your conscience this November. Whatever that looks like for you, you should have your say. But can I tell you, I don't care who wins or who loses. It's not that I don't care, but it's one thing I know. I'm not going to wake up and look at the results and go, we're doomed. We're doomed. You know why? Because God who is in control before election day, Tuesday, is still going to be in control on Wednesday, even if they haven't even gotten all the ballots counted yet. I already know who won. And I I got a great quote from a guy who told me a long time ago. He said, you know what, Randy? You're pretty upset about this, this this political thing. I said, yeah, I'm pretty upset about it. I thought it was supposed to go this way, and it didn't go that way. And he goes, yeah, you know what? A long time ago, I gave up on the fact that man would ever be able to help us get out of the mess we've put ourselves in. And I'm like, wow, that hits right at home. You know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't vote. Please don't misunderstand But ultimately, what we need to do is we need to give more credence to the one who's on the throne than who's at 1600 or any of the other places up in Washington, D.C. I'm just saying. I know. I start talking about politics. Everybody's like, oh, no. Well, I'm just saying that ultimately that stuff will fade and will pass and God will still be on the throne no matter who wins or who loses. Could I get an amen on that? All right. All right, not bad, not bad. So let's talk about who Moses was. Let's take a look at this very quickly. Um, Actually, we've already talked about who Moses was. Let's do this, don't miss this. I love the way one man put it, Chuck Swindoll said, we live by faith or we do not live at all. We venture or we vegetate. We risk or we rust. I love it. Let's go to our next slide. And here is the big idea for today. Great men of God, great women of God, serve with their whole heart until God calls them home. I used to work in hospice, and I got the same question all the time. Why is mom still here? Why is dad still here? I don't understand why mom hasn't already passed. I don't understand why dad hasn't already passed. We thought that they'd be gone a couple of weeks ago. And they're not asking because they're anxious for an inheritance. They're, they're worried that something's wrong. You guys understand? And I always told them the same exact thing that I'm about to tell you. There's still yet something left to do, either towards them or from them. And then when that's done, God will take them home. So how many of you here today are still enjoying the oxygen that we provide here at Eagle Heights Church? Can I see your hand? Y'all still breathing in? You're still breathing in, right? 
If you're still breathing in, guess what? You've still got something that God wants you to do. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know who exactly it's for, but I can tell you that if you're still here, then God's still got work for you and I to yet do. And so the problem for most of us is, is that since we can't always figure it out easily, we stop trying to figure it out at all. Great men, great women of God serve with their whole heart until God calls them home. And that's when they say, now I'm done. (laughs) Now I'm done because he's done with me. He's brought me home and now I'm done. But until then, whatever I have to offer, I still have the chance to make even the smallest impact and I will not give it away. I talked about my kids. Some of you can totally identify with this. Here's what would be a tragedy. For my kids to call me and say, Dad, can you help me? Can you pray with me about this? Can you give me some insight as to what you think I ought to do? And me to be bitter or angry or so disengaged that the one thing that they want to hear from me above all things, and I just, nah. You know what? What do I know? (laughs) What do I know? Go ask somebody else. Can you imagine? If I'm still here, I still have something left to do and some impact left to make. God help me if I don't grasp and get serious about making that the very best that it can be, even if it's different than it used to be. Amen? All right, let's say this together, and then we're going to keep moving very quickly. Great men or women of God serve with their whole heart until God calls them home. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. Here's what a great finish looks like. Here's what a great finish is. It's handling fears, frustrations, and your own flaws without letting them paralyze you. Do you all remember Moses standing before the burning bush? And he's like, Lord, you need to call somebody else because I am not qualified. Do you all remember that? Y'all remember? He almost gave up. God would not let him walk away. He said, no, 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 you've got something to offer. And he almost gave up, but he did not. I want to keep moving on to this next slide, and we'll talk a little bit about this. And I want you to listen to this. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. His eyes were not weak, and his strength was not gone. In other words, he was still engaged in life. Can I just say something to you? Let's go to our next slide. Don't miss this. You can become old in your mind before you become old in your body. How many of you have met somebody older in their mind than they were in their body? How many of you have met somebody younger in their mind than they were in their body? Aren't they a breath of fresh air? Don't you love that? You're like, wow, they're an inspiration. You look at Moses, he was young, even though he was old. He was very, very old, but he had not let age wear him down. And I'm here to tell you that engagement equals enjoyment in your life. It is true no matter what your age, no matter what you do. Stop for just a quick second, a quick little detour to tell you exactly what I mean. How many of you guys remember when you had a boring, boring, boring job whenever you were in high school? You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, man, just let it be busy today. 
because it feels like it's about a four-hour shift instead of an eight-hour shift. But then when nobody comes in and nobody talks to you and you don't have anything to do, that eight hours feels like it takes 23 and a half hours to finish. Can I get an amen? You don't know what I'm talking about? Why? Because when you're engaged, you're moving, you're engaged, you're grooving, you're doing the things that you know are important, and it equals enjoyment. That's not what our world is telling us. It's telling us if we have all the freedom and time to do, and don't bother me too much, the truth of the matter is, is that that's why part, that's at least part of the reason why we're struggling for people who will actually roll their sleeves up and get engaged. But let me ask you a question. Has it ever been easier to live life and have people ever had it better than what we've had it in the last, say, 5, 10, 15 years? I'd say no. I wouldn't trade places with almost anybody on the globe compared to what we live in here But I want you to look around next time you're looking around at people enjoying themselves and ask yourself, do they look like they're having fun? (laughs) Y'all know what I'm saying? Because they're disengaged from life in many ways, and you can read it on their face. They have the freedom to do anything and everything that they possibly could ever want, and yet they are not having a good time. Why? Because we are built and designed to engage with important things, and if we will do it, it will bring us to life in a way that we're missing in so many, so many ways. All right, very quickly, um, let's keep going. Uh, you know what? Just keep going on that next one because I've got so much to cover in such a short amount of time, and I'm going to do it in a short amount of time. Let's keep moving here. Making right choices right up to the end is so important if you're going to finish well. Let's go to our next slide. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Let me go to this next slide as it continues. Rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. And by faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, and he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Notice that last one, he saw him who is invisible. In other words, it's this. Moses and his parents made choices, choice after choice after choice after choice, and it changed the course of his life, and in the process, it changed the course of world history. It really did. And I want to point this out to you. Let's go back and look at it. By the way, Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Faith Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith. This is what it has to say about Moses. Let's go back here, and there um, you see, by faith, Moses' parents... Can we go... Two forward, I believe I've underlined the choices that were made by Moses or those around him. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. That's a choice, isn't it? Y'all follow? It's going to be the same question over and over again, so y'all follow along. That's a choice. Look here. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's also a choice, isn't it? It's a choice of your mindset. Uh, I don't belong there. I belong there. I don't belong in the gold palace. I belong with God's people. I don't belong in luxury. I want to leave a legacy. And so we go on here. He chose to be mistreated along. If you could go back, if you don't mind, 
He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. That's his choice to choose God's people. And then we go to our next slide here. Uh, he, dis he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Once again, a choice. And then by faith, he left Egypt. Once again, a choice. And then he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Once again, another what? Choice. He chose to keep moving towards God over and over again. And can I just go to this next slide? And I'm, I'm moving here quickly. Next week, we're starting better decisions, fewer regrets, five questions to help you make your next move. I encourage you. I'm telling you, I don't often say this kind of stuff to you. Be here every week. I'm telling you, this stuff can change your life. For most of us, we never think about why we make the choices we make until we've already made them, and then we're picking up the pieces. It will be hard at times because you'll have to look within and see some things that would be easier to left in the dark, but this can be transformational be here next week and every week as we talk about better decisions, fewer regrets. I think it will be a huge blessing. And that is straight from the book title of the same one. And you can go to your email and check that out. How many of you have ever heard of the book called Good to Great? It's one of the best business books ever written by a man named Jim Collins. The whole thing basically can be summed up in a few chapters, or pardon me, a few uh, sentences and paragraphs. One of the main chapters and concepts is what they call the flywheel concept. In other words, what changed people from being a good company to a great company was this. They figured out what was really, really important in their job and business. And instead of trying to do tons and tons of stuff, they did a little bit better and 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 a little bit better. And eventually the thing got momentum and it was easier to do the right things instead of doing the wrong things. And the flywheel kept moving. Now, you're like, uh, okay, what does this matter? Can I tell you something? This is good families. A little better, a little better, a little better until the momentum takes the families over all of the hiccups that every family faces. This is good marriages. A little bit better, a little bit better until the momentum takes over. This is good churches. It goes on and on and on. It's good nations it goes everywhere. And can I tell you, for us, a lot of us see a man like Moses and go, I could never get there. All right, cool. Don't try to get there. Just get a little closer. And then next week, get a little closer. And then next month, be a little closer. And then next year, be just a tiny bit better. Because as you begin to twist that flywheel, it begins to have momentum and taking you towards what you want instead of pulling you away from where you want to be. So important. Let's keep moving here. And I know my time is just about gone. A great finish is preparing and cheering others and doing it cheerfully. When my time comes to step off my stage, whatever that is, whether it's with my family or whatever that might possibly be, here's what I know. I want to prepare others and I want to cheer others and I want to do it with my whole heart. I don't believe that Moses looked at Joshua and said, well... I guess it's got to be you because it's got to be somebody, you know? I don't see that at all. He was raising Joshua up constantly, constantly giving him the opportunity and constantly cheering for Joshua. And people followed Joshua, I think, not just because of who Joshua was, not just because of the touch of God, but because Moses said, no, this is the guy. 
when I'm gone, this is the guy. And that's the way it ought to be. It's the way it ought to be. Let's keep moving. Very quickly, do you guys remember my aunt, my Aunt Shirley? This is my Aunt Shirley over here on the right. I got an opportunity to interview her. She's the one who lived in Brazil, who started the children's home, pulled over 200 kids off of the streets in Brazil uh, and in the Sao Paulo area and some of the favelas and stuff like that. A lot of these kids that you see in this picture are kids that she helped when there was nobody there to help, when there was nobody to help them pull off the streets, when they were orphans and they were being literally shot by police in the favelas because they had nowhere to put them. They were shooting them because they were petty crimes everywhere. They were killing kids that didn't have anybody to look after them. They started a children's home. You remember this story? Some of you have even read the books that she wrote. (laughs) What in the world is that lady doing in Brazil? (laughs) She's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. (laughs) Um, She felt the call of God to go and to work in Brazil, to work at God's work. And so she went. And if you were here, you heard some of her story. What an incredible life. What an amazing thing to look at the people that she's influenced. And you go to this next slide. This is them when they were, I mean, that's when the 60s were there like the first time, you know, not, not the time they came back and came back again. I mean, this is back in the day, I mean, way, way back. And she's there in the green, kind of in the center with my uncle who's already passed and already in heaven right now, my uncle Jim and Aunt Shirley. Made a choice to go, not knowing where they were going, but knowing that God was calling them to go. They made the choice. They went to Brazil, eventually started a children's home. Let's go to our next slide. This is the man who now, he lived in Atlanta, Georgia, has a jujitsu class that he started in, uh, in Brazil for all of the kids at La Nova Vida, New Life Children's Home. He did all of that because he had heard about my aunt who is down there doing God's work and God's will. Isn't it incredible, the inspiration of one woman who said in the middle of Tulsa, Oklahoma, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to go because I feel God calling me and he'll let me know. And she went. And I got to say, that's the legacy like the one I want to leave. That's what I want to leave. Something like that. And second generation, this guy here in the middle who's got the white beard, who felt the call of God to go down and just simply teach these kids Brazilian jiu-jitsu because he was studying it here, inspiring one more person called of God and answering and making the right choice. Your legacy basically comes down to choices that you make or that you don't make. And I'm here to tell you I encourage you to make the right ones, make the right choices, because Moses is just a man, just like we are, who is defined in many ways by the choices over and over and over again, and yet God used him in incredible ways, not because of who he was, but because of God's power and the power of making good choices over and over and over again. Let's go to our next slide. This is what my Aunt Shirley said. And she shared with us, she said, God does not call the mighty. 
He calls the ordinary that he might do mighty things in them. We're going to jump to the I apply by. I'm going to skip the movie just simply because I just don't have enough time. But here's the I apply by. Make building your best life your consistent pattern of life. That means serving. That means giving. That means praying. That means reading. That means journaling. It means being in accountability relationship with someone. Being a person who aims to be 10% better in whatever area of your life in two years' time rather than all of it all at once. I mean, it's just over and over making the right choices and the right decisions. It's so important and so vital. I'm going to share with you the last words of this book, the book by Chuck Swindoll that I've read and shared with you so many lessons. It's very, very short. He says, if you've made the journey with me, Chuck Swindoll, if you made the journey with me, this is the fourth in the series of great lies from God's word. And by God's grace and his enablement, there will be more. But for now, may this one take root and grow in you. And I want the same thing for all of us. May this one take root and grow in us. And may the story of Moses, a man of selfless dedication, inspire you to do as he did so well, to endure as seeing the one who is invisible. In other words... We live our life and we leave our legacy for the one who is invisible and yet always sees. The unseen who always sees and the one who always sees that will reward every one of us for our faithfulness and the decisions that we make. And may you be encouraged to be that one who makes all the choices in God's direction again and again and again. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the time and the attention that you have given us, Lord, in your word, the things that you have given us to learn from. And God, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity to learn from the man Moses. And may we make some of those same choices to give you whatever day we have left, whatever time we have left, may we give it all to you and may you Be the one who lets our legacy be that of faithfulness and following you. And you, Lord, please accomplish your work in us, every one of us, we pray. And God, thank you for all that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody together said, amen. May God bless you guys. Thank you so much. I hope that you've enjoyed Moses. It has been a blessing to share him with you. And I hope you guys have a great week. And aim for just a little bit better, a little bit more more momentum on doing the right things and choosing the right direction and path. Be here as we begin better choices, fewer regrets next week. And we're going to end today the way we always do. And you guys can say it right along with me. We just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you guys. Love y'all. Y'all have a great week. Take care.